Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so, so much. And his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. I want to greet you this morning. And once again, uh, I want to just address the fact that we are living in perilous times. Many people have uh, succumbed to the pressures of the day. And uh, I'm deeply concerned at where we're heading as not only individuals, but as families, as the church, as a society and a nation in general. And uh, I feel like uh, God has put a word on my heart for you and I today. And I've entitled it, Refuse to Give Up. I think another way of saying it is that there is victory in Christ. Now, many people are feeling overwhelmed. They feel like problems are coming from every direction in their lives. Are you experiencing trouble in your life today? See, the Bible gives us many examples of people who felt overwhelmed by the troubles of their day. Think of Moses, uh, when surrounded by mountains backed uh, up against the Red Sea with Pharaoh breathing down his neck. He was, he was surrounded. What about Nehemiah being threatened by political powers of his region to stop building the wall of Jerusalem? His enemies threatening to attack from every side, trying to discourage him and the people from doing what God had ordained. You see, there are times when no matter which direction you look, you see trouble. You know, I've had days where I deal with one problem only to raise my head and three more are headed my way. For many, life feels like it's one long struggle. As believers, we all have to deal with tests, trials, and problems. Know this, adversity comes to everyone. In fact, this is part of being human. Job 5 verse 7 says, Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. He says, as sure as sparks fly upwards out of a fire, man is born for trouble. Every one of us faces difficulties, problems, hardships, and the ever-present temptation to quit. But we're not quitters. We don't quit. We may get knocked down, but we get up again. I think there was a song that went like that uh, a few years back. We get knocked down, but we get up again. And, uh, you know, I, I love that song, not because of what they were saying, but I, it necessarily in the context of it, but because that's who we are as Christians. Or at least we're supposed to get up again. Unfortunately, today, there are far too many believers who are down for the count. When problems and adversity hit, they gave up. They quit. Some of them have quit attending church. Oh, not because of COVID. They've quit in their hearts. Many make no attempt to find places of fellowship through cells or men's or women's groups, through youth or singles uh, or cross-culture ministries. Things got tough. Suddenly they are no longer on the scene. They've quit. They've given up. The devil knocked them down and 
They just refuse to get up. They just lie there on the canvas and they say, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to go back to church. I'm not going to go find fellowship. Some Christians have quit reading their Bibles. They've stopped praying. They've quit believing God for their health, for their finances, for their families. They've given up. They have quit. There are even some believers who are quitting their marriages. They have problems getting along and instead of working their issues out, they just quit. Today, I want to encourage you. Don't quit. Don't quit. The Holy Spirit who came into you when you were born again is not a quitter. If you begin to walk close to Jesus, he won't let you quit. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, For the just man falls seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. You know, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to understand this, but many, many people somehow have this idea. They think that Christians never fail or they never fall. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Good people fall. Good people make mistakes and good people have setbacks. But they get up again. Seven times a day they fall, but they get up again. They don't quit. You see, failure is not determined by your falling. It's determined by whether or not you get back up again. God is wanting us to learn from every mistake we make. Now, we haven't been knocked out, only knocked down. If you get back up, you will win. In fact, all of the great men of the Bible and all the great women of the Bible, every one of them faced obstacles and they faced challenges. The thing that made them great is that they didn't quit. The thing that will make you great is the fact that you won't quit. So this morning, I want to look at three reasons that make believers quit. Number one, sin. The most common difficulty that causes believers to want to quit is simply sin. When we give into temptation and we sin, we feel so self-condemned that we want to give up and quit. We want to quit living for God. I've heard people say, what's the use? I can't live a Christian life. I'm just messed up. I fell and I feel like a failure, so I might as well just forget the whole thing. Well, <laughs> you know, besides that being crazy thinking, here's the problem. When we sin, we often stop praying. We often stop thinking about the Lord's will for our lives and we stop living for God. Often we can't forgive ourselves and subsequently we find it very hard to receive God's forgiveness. In reality, self-condemnation is more real to us than God. More real to us than His forgiving power. So rather than fight through that, rather than press into God, we just want to quit. You see, it's wrong for a believer to sin. And if you do sin as a believer, you should feel sick on the inside of you when you do so. In fact, if you can sin without it bothering you on the inside, then you're not saved. It is not all right to sin. But you can't let sin make you quit. Matthew 26 talks about the night that Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was taken to Caiaphas' house, the high priest at the time. And the Jewish religious leaders were all there and they're interrogating Jesus and they're spitting on him and they're slapping him on his face. They were taunting him, saying, tell us, Christ, 
who was it who hit you? Oh, I can just feel that spirit. You know, people can get very ugly, especially when you're driven by a religious spirit. Can you imagine how Jesus felt? This was his hour of need. If there was ever a time when he truly needed Peter and his disciples, it was now. But they'd all run off. And when Jesus needed Peter the most, what did he do? He ran away. Think about it. It was Jesus who had changed his life. He was the one who reached out his hand in the icy waters of the Sea of Galilee when he began to sink and he lifted him up. He was the one who had given Peter a reason to live. Of all the disciples, Peter knew who Jesus was. He was the one that had the revelation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus had told him that after that revelation, he said, it wasn't flesh and blood that revealed this to you. He said it was received as a revelation from my Father. I mean, these are encounters. I don't know how Peter could ever get to the place of denying Jesus. But here we see, where's Peter in Jesus' hour of need? Look what the Bible says in Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. It says, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel said unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out onto the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also one of them, for your speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said to him, Before the cock crow thou shalt have denied me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. By the third time, someone accuses Peter of knowing Jesus. He's swearing. He's cursing. He's even using foul language in an effort to convince people that he didn't know who Jesus was. And then suddenly, just like in our lives, the cock crows. Something is a wake-up call. And Peter remembers the words of Jesus. The Bible says, Peter went out and wept bitterly. He wept. And we can only imagine how those tears stung and the remorse and the repentance he might have felt. He was sorry for what he had done. Imagine the guilt that Peter experienced. Think of how awful he must have felt. <laughs> but we serve a God who's full of compassion, full of forgiveness. He forgives our sin. After Jesus was raised from the dead, he sent a messenger with the news. Look what he said in Mark 16, verse 7. He says, go tell my disciples and Peter that I am alive and waiting for them in Galilee. Oh, I know why Jesus, I think I know why Jesus picked out Peter. He wanted Peter to know, hey, I know what happened. I know your remorse. See, Peter was probably sitting around saying, it's no use. I've denied him. Then the word came that Jesus was raised from the dead. I can see Peter. He ran out of that upper room and raced 
to the tomb. As fast as he could go. I'll bet tears, different kinds of tears this time, were streaming down his face, wanting to be the first one to see if this was really true. Oh, Peter sinned, that's, that's for sure. But he got back up again. By the way, guess who it was who preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost when the church was birthed? That's right. It was Peter who preached, turning the hearts of people to repentance. He led thousands of people into salvation in the name of Jesus. Later on, it was the same Peter who was so anointed with the Holy Spirit of God that even his shadow brought healing to people so that multitudes rose off of their cots and off of their stretchers and were healed. Oh, Peter got knocked down, but he got up again. Peter received total forgiveness from the Lord. In fact, Peter felt so forgiven that in his first sermon to the Jews, he told them in Acts 2.23, he says, you, speaking to the Jews, you took Jesus of Nazareth and with wicked hands, you have crucified and slain him. Now, that's pretty strong. He didn't identify, he was a Jew. He was a Jew. He was just as guilty. But he didn't identify with the guilty parties because he had been totally forgiven. He'd received his forgiveness from the Lord. It didn't matter that he had been denying Jesus only a few days earlier, cursing and swearing that he didn't know who Jesus was. God had so forgiven him and he decided to get up from that sin. Now, in contrast with Peter's story, we can look at Judas. In Matthew 27, verses 1 through 5, it says, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went out and hanged himself. And Judas betrayed Jesus. He experienced the same feelings of grief and repentance that Peter did. The Bible says that he repented and he went to the religious leaders and he told them, I have sinned. Judas knew what he had done wrong and he felt tremendous remorse and even repentance. But in spite of what Jesus had done, I believe forgiveness was still possible for him. You see, there's no sin so great that God can't and won't forgive us when we ask. I think even Jesus' sin of betrayal could have been forgiven. But Judas felt too self-condemned. He couldn't accept God's forgiveness, and the Bible says he went out and hanged himself. You see, instead of going to God and straightening things out, Judas went to the elders and the chief priests. In fact, what he tried to do was to undo what he had done with good works. He brought back the silver and he admitted his mistake. But that's not how you get forgiveness. You have to go to God. You have to repent of your sin. And you have to accept his forgiveness. Oh, there are people today doing just what Judas did. When they sin, they try to earn their forgiveness. 
They say, God, if you'll forgive me, I promise you I'll do this, all right? I promise you I'll do that. I'll start going to church. Oh, I'll pray every day. I'll read my Bible and I'll tell others about you. <laughs> the truth is, you can't earn your forgiveness through works. There's nothing you can do to receive it on your own. You see, you receive the grace of God by faith. It is the blood of Jesus Christ which cleanses you from all unrighteousness, all sin, not good works. Judas went to the chief priests in order to save himself by his own good works. But what happened? He left condemned. And Judas quit. He couldn't live with himself. He couldn't accept God's forgiveness. So he went out and hung himself. You see, both Peter and Judas were knocked down by sin. Peter denied Jesus. Judas betrayed him. Peter got up. Judas didn't. Some believers act more like Judas than Peter when they fall into temptation. They feel totally self-condemned. They, they won't receive forgiveness from God. They, they lay down and they say, well, forget the whole thing. I can't go on. I can't go to God. After all that I've done, I'm just a failure. You know, those pity parties are, will get you in trouble. None of us None of us are worthy. If that's our attitude, I want you to know something. The devil is right there to agree with us. He's sitting on your shoulder saying, yeah, you're right. You're not worthy. You might as well give up. You may as well quit. After all that you've done, you ought to stop going to church. You, might have stop, you, you, may, you, you can't even really be a Christian. You may as well stop even trying to be. You hypocrite. Well, I can just hear the devil. The devil chimes in. He just loves to agree with self-condemnation and pity. See, many condemn themselves and they put themselves down, they beat themselves up, all the while, God's forgiveness is waiting for them. If you've fallen into sin, get up again. Receive your forgiveness and get going again. Start singing about the grace and the mercy of God. Listen to Psalm 133 and 4. It says, If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee. See, David knew that. David sinned more than all of us. Adultery, murder. I mean, if you go through David's sins, they're so numerous. And yet that was David. If you hold our sins against us, there's no hope. But there's forgiveness with you. You see, if God kept, kept an account and he treated us according to our sins, <laughs> none of us would stand. But forgiveness is with him. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. So, don't give up. Don't quit. Number two, the second reason that people give up or quit is because of tragedies and loss. Some people experience tragedies and loss in their lives and they simply just, it hits them so hard that they just get up. They're knocked down in life by a loss or a tragedy and they just never get back up. The Bible has a brilliant story of a woman named Ruth. She experienced devastating tragedy in her life. Ruth was a Moabite woman who had married the son of a Jewish woman from Bethlehem. Her name was Naomi. And uh, Naomi, along with her husband and their two sons, had sought refuge from a severe drought that was in Bethlehem and in Israel at that time. And they moved to Moab. 
Once there, both of their sons got married to these Moabite women. One's name was Orpah, and the other one was named as Ruth. In the years that followed, Naomi and her family taught Ruth and Orpah about Jehovah God. They taught them that God is their healer and their provider, and that they had a covenant with him, and that he's a good and gracious and loving God, and that he was their deliverer. Ruth began to learn about this God. And then something tragic happened. Naomi's husband died. Not long after that, Orpah's husband died. And then, believe it or not, Ruth's husband died. So she lost her husband, her father-in-law, and her brother-in-law within a very short period of time. It sounds like some who have lost multiple family members in a short period of time to tragedy or sickness or as in these days due to illnesses associated with the latest virus. Naomi decided it was time for her to return to her people back in Bethlehem. Orpah went back to her own people and their gods. And Naomi then turns to Ruth and says, you go back as well. Go back like Orpah. Go back to your own people. But listen to what Ruth said. Ruth's an unusual character. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, and she said, behold, this is Naomi, she says, behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Now, I don't know about you, but if you or I had been in Ruth's position, we probably would have thought, hmm, what kind of God is this? These Israelites come here and they tell me about this Jehovah God. Then my father-in-law dies, my brother-in-law dies, and my husband dies. What kind of God would allow this to happen? I'm not going to go serve him. The gods of Moab are better than this Jehovah God. I quit. I'm going to forget about this Jehovah God, and I'm not going anywhere with Naomi. I don't know, that's how many people think today. If something goes wrong, and they have tragedy, or they have loss, or they have some misfortune, it's very easy to just give up on God. Well, what kind of God is that? That's very common in Zimbabwe. We blame God for everything that goes wrong. I'll get to that in a minute. But not Ruth. Ruth chose to go with Naomi. They left the land of Ruth's birth. They left her mother, her father, just the two of them, with nothing. And they headed for Bethlehem. They had no guarantee of even a place to stay once they got back to Bethlehem. Ruth experienced tragedy and loss, but she didn't give up. Ruth said, your God will be my God, Naomi, and I don't blame him for what has happened. I'm going to serve him. Now, when some people experience tragedy and loss in their lives, they blame God, they blame Christianity, and they give up, and they get mad at God. Many unchristians in this country, and many Christians, because of the way that religion was taught in this country, believe that God is in charge of everything. That anything that happens, it's God. They fail to study the scriptures. They fail to understand that although God is God 
and made the earth, and the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The prince of the power of the air, the devil, is the Lord of the earth. He is the one that causes the heartache, the trouble. There is a warfare. And although there is evil and good in the earth, the enemy is constantly coming against us. And he is the source of death. The Bible says this. It says, uh, Jesus came that they might have life and life abundantly. The thief came that he might rob to kill and destroy. John 10.10. It's important that you understand that there is a warfare going on. So many believers, so many people just attribute everything to God. So if somebody dies, well, that was God. If somebody gets sick and has cancer, that's God. If God was such a loving God, why would he allow that? No, 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 no. <laughs> you see, that's wrong thinking. That's not even biblical thinking. The Bible talks about us abiding in the vine. The Bible talks about us coming into a covenant relationship with God. Many of these people that say these things have no relationship with God. In fact, they don't even love God. They don't, they don't have anything to do with God. They're just mad at God. Instead of coming to know Him and pressing into Him. Many Christians, they have tragedy or loss. And instead of really studying and looking and seeing where that loss might have come from or understanding that terrible things happen in this world, that we live in a fallen world, they blame God, get mad, and they turn from God. Not Ruth. She didn't give up. Although tragedy came to her, tremendous tragedy, she refused to quit. She got back up again when she'd been knocked down. And God turned her life around. She married a godly man named Boaz, became a wealthy woman, had children, and was the great-grandmother of King David. This little lady from Moab was in the line of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. From a Moabite, who worshiped Baal all the way to the lineage of Christ. What a tremendous turnaround because she trusted in God. All the good things that happened to Ruth because she got back up again. What happened if she had left with Orpah? I can only fathom to think. Or what happened if she'd gone back to those Moabite gods? What if she'd given up? What if she'd quit? Well, we'll never know because she didn't quit. She got up. Sometimes physical hardship and opposition uh, cause people to quit, give up. You know, I think of the parable where Jesus talked about uh, the seed being planted in the ground. He says, some falls on hard ground and the devil immediately takes it away. Others falls on shallow soil and it springs up with great joy. But once the sun comes out, once the persecution, once the pressure comes on, it withers and dies. Then some falls into another type of soil where it's full of weeds and full of thorns and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches come in and choke it out. And then some falls in that soil that is 30, 60, and 100 fold it produces. So it is with you and I. Many people suffer physical hardships. They suffer from opposition from other people and they give up. You know, the going gets rough, and they just can't handle it. But I want you to listen to what Paul said. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, he says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. See, Paul was referring to his own circumstances, the circumstances of his own life. He said, there is trouble on every side, but we're not distressed. 
He was saying, we're not hemmed in. We're not cornered. We're not boxed in. In fact, one translation says it this way. We're never without a way out. I want you to think about that. We're never, never without a way out. I want you to know there is a way out if you are facing trouble. God always makes a way of escape. But you must look for his way of escape. Oh, it may look like there's no way to succeed. It may look like you're boxed in. But I've got good news for you. There is always a way with God. You may say, but I don't see it. <laughs> well, neither did Paul. He wrote, you're perplexed, but not in despair. The Jerusalem Bible says it this way. We have no answer to our problems, but we never despair. We don't despair. You see, there are times when we don't see the answer to our problems. And we're perplexed. How many of you are feeling perplexed right now with all of the misinformation, disinformation, and totally conflicting voices all around you? Some don't know what to do next. You don't know what avenue or what steps to take. Whenever you get perplexed, slow down. Just wait a minute. God will help you. You don't have to be in despair just because you don't know what to do. And I'll tell you what, you, do, you should never make a decision out of despair. And you know this, that you are not altogether without help. God is here and he's going to help you. I love the Weist's translation of this verse. He puts it this way. He says, we are bewildered, not knowing which way to turn, but not utterly destitute of possible measures or resources. <laughs> That's a pretty big mouthful. But I, I love the way that he's an intellectual, but he breaks that down for us. He says, we don't know which way to turn, but we realize that we're not utterly destitute of possible measures or resources. You see, you and I have to learn how to pull from God's resources. God has resources we can draw from. He has measures we can take, even if we can't see them right now. We don't see them at the moment. Paul says in verse 9, we were persecuted but not forsaken. Hmm. I want you to know something. You're not forsaken by God. You may feel like God is not around, but he's not forsaken. God is with you. Paul says, I am cast down, but not destroyed. I, I like the Phillips translation. He says, we may be knocked down, but we're never knocked out. The Living Bible says it this way. He says, we get knocked down, but we get up again, and we keep going. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can say it any better than that. You may have been knocked down, but you are not knocked out. The fight isn't over yet. The good news is you're going to win if you'll just get up. Uh, some of you have been knocked down by the coronavirus in your health or in the health of a family member. Remember, there are all kinds of ways to deal with this virus. Ivermectin has been proved to be very effective. Medical specialists are saying that if you use it as a prophylaxis, and then if you get the virus and treat it very early with the zinc and the antibiotic cocktail, it is very, very effective. I've seen that in my own life and in the lives of many people around me. Not that I'm a prescription, I can't prescribe it, but I can say that, hey, you know, we have doctors that are recommending it and are using it very, very successfully. Besides that, there are many, in fact, most in the country that are naturally getting over the COVID virus and still well over 97% of people that get the COVID virus just heal naturally and then they have a natural antibody. I think that's pretty amazing. 
What concerns me still is the fact that we continue to only look at the increased numbers of people getting this one disease. And we're not taking a holistic look at the sicknesses and other causes of death that are ravaging Zimbabweans in far greater numbers than COVID. You see, when the governing authorities shut down everything, we create problems of a nature we can't even fathom, socially, socially, educationally, economically, psychologically, even medically and politically. And we may never be able to recover from this. I am shocked that there isn't more debate, more discussion, more contribution from everybody in society around what's happening to us as a society. There's a website that I looked up called the World lifeexpectancy.com and I just stopped at the date 7-17-2021 and what it does is it tells how many people have died from what diseases since the time that we started tracking COVID. Now just from HIV and AIDS alone we've had 46, this is Zimbabwe alone, 46,000 people. From influenza and pneumonia 17,368. That's just the flu. From road traffic accidents, 11,847. Coronary heart disease, 9,110. Diarrheal diseases, 8,224. Low birth rate, 7,460. Strokes, 7,455. Malnutrition, 6,317. Birth trauma, 5,722. Diabetes mellitus, 5,547. Maternal conditions, 4,275. Violence. 3,768. Meningitis, 2,915. Lung disease, 2,840. Suicide, 2,670. Malaria, 2,649. Kidney disease, 2,621. COVID, 2,520. We finally hit it. COVID, way down the list. More people have died of suicide than they have of COVID. We don't know what we're doing. Violence, that's domestic violence, much of it in this country. We're, we're tearing our society apart while we're treating one disease that has 2,500 deaths. Now, I believe that this disease is very viral. I think we need to, but I'm not sure that we have the right solution. And we're not even talking about it. It goes on and talks about Alzheimer's and dementia, tuberculosis. These are all close to those same number of COVID. Can we have the discussion? Can we have the talk? Is anybody looking at these numbers do you know how many people die a year in Zimbabwe? And COVID is a fraction of the deaths. I don't know. Maybe you've been knocked down. Maybe you've been knocked down physically in your health, or maybe you've been knocked down financially. You know, it's sometimes tough to get up off the canvas. But I want to encourage you, get back up. Maybe you've been knocked down emotionally or spiritually. Maybe you're confused or perplexed or discouraged. Maybe you've been knocked down in your marriage or your family. Maybe you've just about given up hope for your children ever turning out right or being saved. Maybe you've received some news recently that you were not ready for and it sent you to the mat. The news knocked you down. You know, in my life, Pastor Bonnie and I have received news that knocked the wind out of us spiritually for a little while. But I can tell you this, we've always gotten back up. We've always stood back to our feet and said, man, what are we to learn from that? But God, we have to put our trust in you. 
The good news is this. No matter what has knocked you down, you can get up from where you are. The last chapter of your story has not yet been written. <laughs> In fact, the very fact that you're hearing this message shows that there's hope for you. The devil, if he could have destroyed you, he would have done it already. But he hasn't. He can't. You're in Christ. Now, it's time to put some fight back in your spirit. It's time to get up. It's time to believe God for a renewed vigor. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Get up. Get going. Rise up. Get off that mat. Now let me close. I want to just close by looking at some of the things that Paul went through without quitting. You know, sometimes I think you and I think we have it hard. And I see this guy and I think, oh my gosh, I haven't even begun. In, first, in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 24 through 28, he says, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Huh. Just listening to that right there, that's only the beginning of this. Others would be saying, hey, I think that we're crazy for even following this gossip. All this bad stuff happening to me, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore. I don't want to go on any more mission trips. <laughs> and if that's what serving God means, you can forget it. See, I'm a pastor. I get to hear all your complaints. I'm just echoing back to you what I hear some of you saying. Oh, you don't say it to me, but it comes out through the grapevine. Hey, we've got to change our conversation. Paul suffered a lot. He was beaten with rods, whipped, stoned, shipwrecked, left in the ocean for a day and a night. But he didn't give up. Now, he goes on. Listen to what else he says. He says, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heat, and in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness. And that painfulness simply means sadness and travail. In watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold, in nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which came upon me daily, the cares, that is the worry for all the churches. Jump down to verse 32. It says, in Damascus, the governor under Artius, the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket, I was let down the wall, and I escaped his hands. I don't know what kind of guy this is. He's escaping the hands of the governor. He's escaping the hands of, of people that want to kill him, brothers, uh, people within, people without, his own countrymen. I mean, wow, this is tough stuff. Paul suffered physical hardships. He suffered opposition and persecution from people. But every time he got knocked down, he got back up again. He never quit. Paul never gave up. In the end, he evangelized the whole known world. And thank God he didn't quit. Or maybe you and I wouldn't be here. You know, the list of men and women who didn't quit in the Bible is absolutely amazing to me. I think of Joseph, I think of David, Noah, Abraham, Esther, Daniel. Each one of those is a sermon. If you go study them, they all got knocked down. But one thing they had in common, they got back up again. 
and they kept going. When you get knocked down, get back up again. If you do, the power of God will come into your situation. And God will raise you up. God will deliver you. And he'll turn your situation around. God can't fail. Just get up. Keep fighting. Oh, you may have been knocked down, but you're not knocked out. Think of this scripture. I said it earlier, but I want to quote the Bible to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. James says it another way. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. Isaiah 41, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God is with you. He has not forsaken you. If you refuse to give up, the victory is yours. Right now, somebody may be listening to this and you say, man, Pastor, I gave up. I don't even know if God can forgive me. Well, don't be like Judas. (laughs) Turn to God today. He says, if you will turn to him, he will turn to you. He says, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's time for you to turn. Right now on the screen, there's some phone numbers right there. Man, if you don't know how to turn yourself, call one of those numbers right now. There's somebody on the other end of that line that can help you. If they can't help you directly, they can certainly get you to a pastor, to a counselor, or direct you to a way to get into a cell group, to get into a a men's meeting or a women's meeting or a singles group where you can find help. Some of you have been knocked down. Some of you have been hit hard. Some of you are going through an issue with the divorce or with the death of a loved one. Well, did you know that we have courses to help you? We have things that can help you. We have people meeting online. We have people, in in some cases, meeting face-to-face to help each other. These are not the times to shrink back. These are not the times to stay on the mat. These are times to shake ourselves and say, okay, I'm going to get back up again. You may have been down for the eight count, but get back up again. There's another round to fight. God is for you. So are we. As a church, we're for you. We're trying to do all we can to reach out, to, to build avenues and channels. We're doing church differently. We've had to because of the conditions that we find ourselves in. But it doesn't make us any less effective. In fact, the only way we can do church now is to gather together, to to meet each other on a personal level. I'm guiding from the front. I'm guiding from the pulpit. I'm guiding, hopefully, these messages are helping stir you to think correctly, to turn to the Lord, to turn to the scriptures, to hear the voice of the Father for yourself. I'm hoping that. But in the meantime, we have pastors, we have cell leaders, we have people that are there for you. They're strong. And sometimes we need each other to get through the battles we face, to go overcoming the sin. There is sin in our lives. Sin has to be repented of. There are tests and trials, and there are things that hit us and knock us down. But we're not those that get knocked down only. We're those that get back up. I want to encourage you. Use those phone numbers. 
Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for those under the sound of my voice. I'm asking, Lord, that you would cause your words to break up the fallow ground of men's hearts and women's hearts today. I'm asking, Lord, that you would refresh those that are so discouraged today. Give them a new hope. Let them see that you are for them. If God be for us, who can be against us? No tribulation, no trial, no test, no principality, no power can defeat us if you're in our camp, Lord. I thank you that you're in our corner. We're out there fighting the battle, but when we get knocked down, you tell us to get up again. Father, bless those under the sound of my voice. For those of you that have never given your life to Jesus, today would be a good day. The Bible teaches us that the way we do that is that we repent. We turn away from our sin, our sinfulness, our doubt, our disbelief, and we turn to Him. We call upon Him. He says, if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth, and that's the hard part. Nobody can make you do that. It's not a prayer. It's a conviction. God, I'm turning to you. So I'm going to ask you to find a place. Maybe right where you are. Kneel down right where you are. Maybe by the side of your bed or chair you're sitting at or however you're watching this program kneel down with your whole heart cry out to God say God forgive me if you did cry out if you did pray that prayer if you did ask him to forgive you if you did ask him into your heart would you do me a favor would you just take a minute phone one of those numbers tell the person on the other end of the line I'll tell you what they'll do they'll tell you how to get a hold of somebody they'll tell you how to Mature what you just did, that decision. They'll get you into a place where you can meet other Christians, be strengthened by other people, and become a disciple. Grow up. We'll help you. Wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. We're not building a church. We're building the kingdom. You're part of the family of God now. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you, and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you, and stay safe.